Welcome to A Course in Miracles, Living the Love, Walking the Talk, with Rev. Jennifer Hadley. Get ready to focus on your intent to be the love, be the peace, through practical application. Here is your host, Rev. Jennifer Hadley. Bonjour. Bonjour. <laughs> so happy to join with you today. It's a beautiful day. I'm back in uh, Maine, uh, the beautiful Hadley family home in Stonington, Maine. Just a wonderful place to be. I'm here to get the gardens ready and uh, do the planting and all that which I am so grateful that I get to do it. Yeah, it's wonderful to be in nature. It's healing, it's nourishing, it's fantastic. So, let us turn to A Course in Miracles. And uh, our topic today is grief and grieving with A Course in Miracles. Grief and grieving with A Course in Miracles. I have not covered this topic. So I'm very interested to see what spiritual teachings come through for all of us. I'm very eager to hear what Spirit has to share with us today. So we place our hand on our heart and we turn within for a blessing. So grateful and thankful that the love of God is shining in our heart. And in our mind, we are grateful and thankful to open ourselves to the unprecedented flow of divine love and wisdom. The clarity and the peace of God are what we are calling forth. We're allowing and accepting them. We're opening our mind to a healing, to a transformation. So grateful, so thankful that the time is now. In gratitude, we share the benefits with everyone. In gratitude, we let it be. And so it is. Amen. 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 Mm. Yes, indeed. So grateful for A Course of Miracles. <laughs> so grateful. So grief and grieving. And uh, most often when we think of grief and grieving, we think of a loved one dying. But this is uh, a, an emotion that we feel in many different kinds of circumstances, not just when someone we care about uh, makes their transition. So many people will grieve a seeming loss of a potential future. So this is one of the main things that happens for people when things like a divorce happens or even it, a grief can come up if, if your child decides not to go to college and they decide instead they'd like to do something completely different than what you had hoped and planned that they would. That could create uh, a huge wave of grief of that potential future. Um, some parents experience a sense of grief when they find out that their child has a sexuality that is different than what theirs is. There can be a grief in that uh, and a meaning that's made of that. Uh, grief can be when uh, a company closes. You build a company and uh, you build it up and then it doesn't succeed. That could be a, a reason for grief. You uh, buy a house. You aren't able to pay the mortgage. Things change and you uh, have to leave the house. That can be an experience of grief. So grief comes in many different packages uh, or many different things can seemingly trigger grief. Now, A Course in Miracles doesn't specifically talk about what to do or the five stages of grief because everything in A Course in Miracles is geared 
towards eliminating the causes of grief. Everything in A Course in Miracles is geared towards eliminating the causes of grief. Now, one of my favorite sections, I quote from it all the time, is the fear and conflict section in the text, chapter 2. And for the folks in my classes, uh, Masterful Living, Finding Freedom, etc., I encourage people to read that section again and again. Again and again and again. I'll tell them, read it every day for a week. And then once a week after that, it's just a few pages, two, three pages, and it's so helpful. And in there, Jesus says very clearly, and I don't think this can be said enough, he says, and I'm paraphrasing here, he says very clearly that fear is of our own making. The emotion, the experience of fear is of our own making. And we are the dreamers of this dream. He says, so fear is of your own making. If you ask me to take away your fear, what you're doing is you're asking me to take away that alarm that goes off mentally, emotionally, physically. And again, I'm paraphrasing. You're asking me to take away that alarm that goes off on a mental, emotional, and physical level that lets you know that your thinking is incorrect. If you did not experience the feelings of fear when you were thinking incorrectly, how would you know? Just think about that. How would you know? You wouldn't know. (laughs) I wouldn't know for sure. The indicator of my incorrect thinking, I don't like to say wrong thinking. I I prefer not to say right and wrong. I say it all the time, but I I really uh, still, I I look to, to find other ways to express it that feel less judgmental. So incorrect. Correct and incorrect. Incorrect thinking leads to fear it leads to the experience of fear the visceral emotional mental experiences of fear right so if let's say we get triggered i was thinking about this earlier and i was thinking about how i was having a conversation got a little bit heated with uh, my brother uh, a few weeks ago And we were talking about something, I don't remember exactly what it was, related to um, taking care of this house. And he said something like, well, you didn't tell me that. And I said, you know, I have a whole staff of people. And he, he rolled his eyes and he was like, oh. And I thought, what, what? I said, you know, I have a whole staff of people they tell me the same thing all the time, that I, I don't clearly articulate everything I'd like. Because I forget that everyone can't read my mind. I'm so often, when I'm sharing with people, talking with people, when I'm teaching a class, I hear people's questions. I hear people wondering this, wondering that. Even when I'm doing the radio show, I, I literally will hear future questions Here's really not how it is. It just—it's a feeling, it's a sense, it's a thought. But these things come in intuitively all the time. I forget that I have to articulate everything, or people won't hear me, and so I get into trouble <laughs> by not uh, by thinking, "Oh no, I, I I told you that," and they're like, "People say, no, Jennifer, you didn't tell us that." What? Well, I, isn't it in that email? Let's look at that email. Oh, you're right, I didn't put it there. Golly gee, I was thinking it the whole time. How did I not put that there? Well, that's the craziest, darndest thing. But my brother, he reacted, he rolled his eyes, uh, because he thought I was going to say something like, 
I look, I work with a whole staff of people and I don't have these problems with them or something like that. Right. So he was reacting from his history. I react from my history on a daily basis. There's no question. We all do that. What do you mean? There's no coffee. I made coffee this morning. There should have been enough coffee for everybody to have until we make the afternoon coffee. Okay. Right. So that's a reaction. What? There's no coffee. Right. So every day there are reactions, right? That, that, uh, we're, we're participating in. And so when we're upset, that's an indicator that our thought isn't correct. So if I was upset rather than just was surprised, what? There's no coffee. If I were upset, what do you mean there's no coffee? If I, if I took it that way. I made enough coffee. What's happening here? There's a coffee system breakdown. If I went into that kind of attitude, which I might well have done years past, then I would be living from the my past and not from what's going on right now. I'd be living from some judgment, some thought that this should not be. This should be different. This should be, I made enough. Something's wrong. Here's, there's a breakdown in the system and it's not my fault. These kind, or some people would take it as, it is my fault. I did something wrong. I should have made more. Oh no, it's a terrible, terrible thing. And all of that emotion and upset is all the indicator that our thinking is not correct. So, uh, somebody in Masterful Living class was asking me yesterday, what do you do? When you are melting down, and I have a whole protocol for meltdown, I could do a show about that. But the first, one of the first things is that I've learned to do is to go right to gratitude. Thank you, God, that I am aware I'm upset. I'm not unconscious about it because I used to be unconscious about it. For decades, I was unconscious about it, and I just kept recreating it, recreating it, recreating. So whenever we're upset, it's because we're thinking something that's incorrect. And we can make an adjustment. We can make an adjustment in our thinking. By turning over whatever the thought is, even if we don't know what it is, we just turn the emotion over and say, and this is what Jesus tells us, I, I like to think he implores us to do it, but he's not that emotional. I, 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 I almost feel him imploring us, saying, please, don't ask me to remove the fear. Without the fear, you'd be lost in time and space forever. And that would not be ideal. <laughs> Please don't ask me to take away the fear. Please don't ask me to take away the fear. Instead, he says, ask me to remove the causes of fear. Yes, let us ask to have the causes of fear removed. What are the causes of fear? Incorrect thinking. That's it. Nothing else. Incorrect thinking. That's it. We don't have to look any further than that. I love this teaching of A Course in Miracles. Yes, it's a big book. Yes, it's cryptic at times. Yes, it's it's written in iambic pentameter a lot of the time. It's all okay. It's all, we can just let that be. We just take the golden nuggets and live the golden nuggets every day. All day, every day. Apply it to everything. No matter what is going on. You bought several pieces of baklava, you were going to have one, everybody in the family is going to have one, somebody ate yours. That's a reason to be upset. No, it's not. Maybe they're helping you. You don't know. You do not know. I am studying uh, kundalini uh, yoga in order to become an instructor, which I'm really enjoying. I love Kundalini Yoga. It's a beautiful spiritual practice. Fits right in with A Course of Miracles to me. And uh, it's a just a wonderful whole program. And I'll, I'll probably begin to share some of that. Not, not here on the radio show, but in other venues, YouTube and things like that. Something to look forward to. <laughs> and... Um, we were talking in in class the other day that uh, 
sometimes you'll forget to do an exercise or you'll do it shorter or longer or something like that. And you'll think, oops, I've not done it correctly. But that may be spirit guiding you. So keep moving. You know, to me, I've had so many situations, so many, too many to even count or remember, where somebody said, hey, Jennifer, let's do this thing together. And then they drop out. And I used to think, ah, they're not people of integrity. They don't keep their word. Oh, boy, oh, boy. This is a problem. Now I realize it's all perfect. For whatever reason, that is perfect. And many times I see that someone withdrawing from my life, someone moving out of connection with me or not keeping their agreements, not doing what they say we're going to do, that actually that was spirit moving them away from me with ease and grace. And it gave me an opportunity also to work with my mind and see was there any upset or irritation because of what occurred. So I'm really learning that spirit's always got my back and that when things don't work out or go the way I wish they would go, I'm being protected. I'm being guided and so is everyone else around me. So let's go back to grief here because... If we can look at it from the perspective of, if I'm upset, it's not because of what I think, why I think I'm upset. Even though I think I'm upset because my best friend just died. That happened to me. I think I'm upset because my mom passed away. That happened to me too. I'm upset because my dog died. Yep. That we had to put her down. Yep. That happened to me too. Uh, Another dog died, you know couple had to be put down you know i'm not upset for the reason i think even when i think i really do know why i'm upset so i'm I'm going to take us to chapter 20 in the text section three which is called sin as an adjustment and spirit guided me to a couple paragraphs here and the first one is And I just think this is fantastic. It says, a simple question yet remains and needs an answer. Do you like what you have made? A world of murder and attack. Through which you thread your timid way through constant dangers, alone and frightened, hoping at most that death will wait a little longer before it overtakes you and you disappear. Such a good question. So this is what he's saying to us. This is the world you made. He describes it. He says, do you like what you have made? A world of murder and attack through which you thread your timid way through constant dangers, alone and frightened, hoping at most that death will wait a little longer before it overtakes you and you disappear. Do you like that world? Then he says, and it's in italics, You made this up. You made this up. It is a picture of what you think you are, of how you see yourself. A murderer is frightened, and those who kill fear death. All these are but the fearful thoughts of those who would adjust themselves to a world made fearful by their adjustments. And they look out in sorrow from what is sad within and see the sadness there. So let me break this down here. We've, we've made this world up. It's a projection of our minds. And I think one of the best ways to comprehend it is um, if you've seen that movie, The Matrix, Right, So Neo, that's the Keanu Reeves character, he is training his mind to be the savior of humanity, right? So the machines don't just uh, continue to enslave them and uh, use them. I'm going to take a sip of my spiritual espresso here.
all have a sip together. Some people tell me, when you sip, I sip. I love when you sip. (laughs) Some people say, I don't like it when you sip. So I try to do it quietly. All right. So think of Neo in the Matrix. And if you haven't seen that movie, yeah, it's an action movie. And yet there's, and there's a lot of, um, gunplay in it and a lot of kung fu fighting kind of thing. And, uh, but there's not blood, not a lot of blood. It's, um, because it's, it's, it's about living in a matrix, living in a, a made up world, a computer world. And so he, um, he's taken out of the matrix. They rescue his body and pull his mind out of the matrix. And he's now training how to use his body and how to use his mind in a very new way. And so he, they plug in these software programs, uh, into his head, um, literally. And, um, he's viewing them in his mind's eye where he's experiencing jujitsu and, you know, all this training that he's doing, uh, to prepare to fight with his mind in the matrix. So, Spirit has given us this movie, these images, these stories to help us to comprehend what we're doing and where we're living. So, he's telling us, you made up this world of murder and attack through which you thread your timid way through constant dangers, alone and frightened, hoping at most that death will wait a little longer before it overtakes you and you disappear. Many people do live their life that way and feel that way. I've met them. I've talked with them, especially people who don't have um, a faith in spirit, a knowledge of spirit. And that, to me, is what faith is. It's a knowledge of spirit uh, that is so clear. It's not a belief. It's a knowledge. Uh the Bible says faith is a belief, but I, I don't think it is. I think it's a knowing. So, uh, and then it says a murderer is frightened. You made this up. So, our collective, we made up this, this, uh, insane premise of separation. And it's really, I, I mean, I really perceive it as we all got together and said, hey, what if we created a uh, amusement park ride where we would totally forget the oneness? We would totally be convinced that we were separate. I mean, completely separate, not connected at all. Separate bodies, separate minds, separate bank accounts, separate everything. And we had to find our way back. And so to me, it's like a video game. We're finding our way back, and we're almost there. We're almost there. Really, we are. I don't meet anyone who's creating new negative karma. I just don't see that happening. I, everyone, I mean, some people, yeah, there's some people, but most, the majority of people I meet, and I meet a lot of people, I don't see that happening for them. I see them coming into this lifetime with their stuff, intent on working it out, all their stuff gets triggered, it's in their face, their family's pushing, 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 pushing the buttons, and they either decide that they're on a wake-up journey at some point, they decide that, or they haven't decided it yet. And we're all doing it together, and we're helping each other, and none of us will fail. Some of us might take more time than others, but none of us will fail. Why? Because God's in charge and failure is not an option for God. It's not an option. It's not even a concept, right? Concepts are of this world. Failure is a concept predicated on separation. And this is one of the things I like to tell all the people in my life who are uh Having light worker professions, light worker entrepreneurs, I call them light printers, uh, all the people around me, you can't fail. 
You can't fail. You can't fail. Failure is a false concept. We're remembering the truth that sets us free. That's what we're doing, and we're doing it together. So it says here, we look out in sorrow from what is sad within and see the sadness there. And that is what we're experiencing when we're grieving. We really are. Uh, I uh, am so grateful that I have had the experiences I've had of loss and seeming deprivation that I've been able to feel very lost in the loss and to be able to let spirit guide me back because I know that it works. This is what we're going to share about and talk about in the uh, second half of our show. So I'm Jennifer Hadley, and I'm so happy to be sharing A Course of Miracles with you today. You can always check out my website, jenniferhadley.com. We're going to a break. You're listening to A Course of Miracles on Unity Online Radio. Thank you for tuning in for A Course in Miracles, Living the Love, Walking the Talk. Welcome back. Happy to be back talking about grief and grieving with A Course in Miracles. And so the entire A Course in Miracles teaching is to support us in having an awareness so that we actually wouldn't have any grief. And for me, I had the loss of loved ones when I was young, that folks who were really, really important to me, and my whole world came crashing down in those. And uh, it really was challenging. Uh, And what I noticed when my mother died I, after she passed, after she made her transition, I was able to notice that I would go into this thought, my mother's gone. I'm never going to hear her voice again. I'm never going to see her again. And I would start to cry. My mother's gone. My mother's gone. I would start to cry. And I, one time, not long after she passed, my higher self, the Holy Spirit, said to me, Why are you thinking that thought? Why are you choosing that thought? You know it's not true. And I thought, yeah, why am I thinking that thought? That I'm never going to see my mother again. I know that's not true. I'm thinking, I'm never going to hear my mother's voice again. Spirit said, you can hear your mother's voice anytime you'd like. It's a great way to connect with her. Yeah, why am I thinking I'm never going to see her again, never going to feel her again, never going to hear her again? These thoughts are not true. They're incorrect, not true, false thoughts. Why am I attaching to them? Why would I want to feel a sense of loss? Why would I want that? And. For me, and this may not be true for you, but for me, I saw a desire to be special. There was a an intent to be special and to feel so sad, to feel so lost. Oh, God, poor me. Look at me, God. I'm suffering. Won't you help me out? There were layers of these kinds of things. 
And it was so helpful to me to realize these thoughts are not true. Not a one of them is true. And I am not going to tell myself these stories that aren't true. Will I miss hanging out with my mother, being with my mother? Yes, I will. And I am not going to make it worse than it is. And so I moved through my grief incredibly quickly. And then it was maybe two years after that that my best friend died, which was a huge shock to my system. I had years to prepare for my mom's passing, but not for my friends. And uh, it was just an absolute shock to my system. And uh, because I was so um, connected with her. But even so, it only took a few weeks for me to working with spirit, working with the angels, and of course working with her spirit. To move through that experience. And so. I learned so much. Through those experiences. About. Our. Attachments. And that we really. Actually can. Give them to spirit for healing. But they're so, it's complicated. It's complex. Spirit is simple, but the ego is complex. (laughs) It's a, oh, what a tangled web we weave when first we practice to deceive. Right? It's that. Uh, And so, the ego has woven, no, I'm going to step back from that thought. We made up the ego. And so we have woven this complex stream of thoughts, right? Everything in in this world is symbolic. And so we've decided what everything means. And there is this um, patterning that we're experiencing that is in our minds and we think it's real because we're so identified with it. So I'm going to invite you to turn within and just recognize if you are grieving a loss of any kind, right? Any kind. There are Multiple attachments there. As difficult as it is, what's happening is our spirit, the higher Holy Spirit self, is actually supporting us in being truly happy by giving up the attachments. So there are many ways to give up attachments. We can give up attachments willingly. Like when I realize, oh, there's no more coffee, I can say, well, I'll either make more coffee or I don't need any coffee. No attachment. When I realize that, oh, no, the tickets for the play were for yesterday, not today, then I can say, well, for some reason, whatever reason, I was not meant to be there, all is well. Spirit's got my back in all things. We're, we're practicing the release of attachments. Now, when a loved one passes, when we lose a job, when we have a financial crushing blow, as many people do with their um, houses and their jobs and all the different things and I've had them myself when there is a sense of deep grief we can actually help ourselves so much by being willing to feel our feelings and to do it with a tape recorder a notebook 
a spiritual counselor, a way of really examining and looking at what are the thoughts that I am thinking? Like I did with my mom. I noticed I was thinking the thought, I'm never going to see her again. And the higher self said, why are you thinking that thought? Why are you choosing that thought? What? What do you mean, why? I'm never going to see my mom again. That's not true. You know that's not true. Oh, you're right. I do know that's not true. Yeah, why am I choosing that thought? I grieved a lot when my best friend died because I valued her companionship so much and I so loved being in her presence. It was such a blessing to be in her presence. And I felt like she really understood me. I felt she really, really did. And I liked having someone in my life who I enjoyed being with, who really understood me, who didn't judge me at all, ever, under any circumstances. And she'd call me out all the time. All the time she'd say, oh, that's not true. Or she'd say, oh, honey, don't tell yourself that. Or whatever. That's a great friend. That's a wonderful friend. But she never did it with even a little wit of judgment. It was always with compassion. Like, oh, you don't need to buy into that story. Oh, you know, she's so helpful that way. So loving. And I felt like a huge loss that she was not going to be in my day-to-day experience anymore. And yet, Spirit helped me see I can embody those qualities that she shared with me. I can be that person for myself, and I can attract more like-minded people. And I did, and I have. Spirit showed me the way. When we get so attached to the meaning we've made of something, when we get so attached to the idea of loss, then we suffer. We suffer over our suffering, and I have done that. Have you ever done that, where you know you're suffering over your suffering? In the next section of the text, we're in chapter 20, section 4 is entitled, Entering the Ark. And it says, Nothing can hurt you unless you give it the power to do so. Yet, you give power as the laws of this world interpret giving. As you give, you lose. Yet, you give power as the laws of this world interpret giving. So, what, what Jesus is saying there is that uh, it's not true giving. You're uh, attributing your, your power. You're not actually giving power to things in this world, you're attributing power to them. There's a difference there. Um, and he says, as you give your power to others, to, to uh, circumstances and situations, the power to upset you, as you give, you lose. It is not up to you to give power at all. Power is of God given by God and reawakened by the Holy Spirit, who knows that as you give, you gain, right? So powers of God given by God and reawakened by the Holy Spirit, who knows that as you give, you gain. So when you truly give, when you share the love that you are, then you gain and you cannot lose. So when you truly give in spirit, you cannot lose. It says here, the Holy Spirit gives no power to sin, and therefore it has none, nor to its results, as this world sees them. Sickness and death and misery and pain, those are the results of sin as this world sees them, as the ego sees them. 
It says, these things have not occurred because the Holy Spirit sees them not and gives no power to their seeming source. Thus, would the Holy Spirit keep you free of them? Being without illusion of what you are, the Holy Spirit merely gives everything to God, who has already given and received all that is true. The untrue God has neither received nor given. The untrue the Holy Spirit has neither received nor given. So, death and misery and pain are interpretations. Yes, it does seem like the body dies. Yes, it seems like the person dies. Yes, it seems like that that beautiful dog, that beautiful cat, that beautiful animal dies. Yes, this is what it looks like in this world. However, if we don't choose to believe it, we won't see it. If we don't choose to believe it, we won't see it. When we're feeling fooled by this world and pulled by this world, that's when we can truly recognize that we have attributed our power to something of this world. And this world has no power. So let's bring, let's get our power back. Right? Let's let's attribute our power to God and only God. So we have the power to place our attention on whatever we'd like. We have the power to place our attention wherever we'd like. We can place our attention on something that's correct, on something that's incorrect. When we're making loving, compassionate, kind and caring choices, we're doing something that's correct. If we're thinking we're doing something kind and loving and compassionate, but we're doing it to get something, then we're not giving anything at all. We're trying to get something. We're manipulating. So in our examination of grief and grieving, it's not that grieving is wrong. It's like everything else in this world. It's there to teach us to teach us our attachments, to teach us to look at our thoughts, to teach us to be willing to partner up with the higher Holy Spirit self, to teach us to be willing to not go it alone anymore. So when we're sad, this need not be. That's one of my um, favorite parts. It's uh, in... Um, uh, chapter uh, 20, still, uh, section 7. It's the consistency of means and end. And it says uh, that whenever we're upset, whenever we're sad, this need not be. When we're depressed, this need not be. In fact, I think A Course in Miracles has the best teaching ever on depression. That the cause of depression is thinking that we're deprived of something that we want, but no one can deprive us of anything except ourselves. We deprive ourselves of things through where we place our attention and what we choose, and, and no one can do that to us, really, truly. And so, we're, we're, Stepping out of feelings of sadness, and we're doing it by giving it to, uh, oh, I'm reminded there's, in chapter four, there's a section four, this need not be, and uh, that is, I believe, where the depression, yes, and it, it says in there, when you are sad, know this not need not be. Depression comes from a sense of being deprived of something you want and do not have. Remember that you are deprived of nothing except by your own decisions and then decide otherwise. And many times when we're feeling uh, depressed and angry and upset and all parts of the grieving, we're 
many times mixed in there is a lot of guilt. Guilt that we should have done this, we should not have done that. Right? Those are judgments. And uh, you can't have guilt without judgment. You cannot have fear without judgment. You cannot have depression without judgment. You cannot have anger without judgment. And so this is why I teach that the path of awakening is one of non-judgment. So in order to release the sense of grief and grieving, let us practice A Course in Miracles and Look for the judgments and turn them over to the Holy Spirit and say to the Holy Spirit, Oh, here's the judgment I found. Uh, the, the judgment or the opinion is, the belief is, the perception is that I'm never going to uh, see my mother again. I'm giving that to you, Holy Spirit, for healing. Please take that thought out of my mind so I never think it again. Oh, and here I have this belief that nobody's ever going to understand me and unconditionally love me and be my helper like my best friend Kay. But I'm giving you that thought, Holy Spirit. It's not true. It is not true. I don't need to believe it. It doesn't make me happy, so I don't wish to believe it. Now, another thing is, is that many people do grow up in a household where uh, there's a lot of sadness and grief. Uh, many people who raise children are grieving in many different ways. And uh, I've spoken with so many people over the years who their parents, one of their parents died when they were very young, very young. My mother's father died when she was 15, and it um, completely changed her life because of the way it affected her uh, thinking, uh, how she held it, and her relationship with her mother, and how her mother held it. Uh, it really was an earthquake in her life. And I don't know how anybody losing their precious parent wouldn't be an earthquake in their life. Uh, but it doesn't have to blow your house down, right? There's, we can, especially if we're adults, we can say, okay, Holy Spirit, everything is gently planned by one whose only purpose is my good, right? Lesson 135, paragraph 18. So, that being the case, my good is embedded into this. My good is encoded into this. Let me not resist my good. Let me not resist it. So there's an opportunity for us to actually release old beliefs, karma, thought patterns that are no longer necessary for us. We can truly release them forever. Forever, forever. If we give them to the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit can easily undo all the consequences of our wrong decision if we allow it. And that's where our work often resides. It's I teach so much about the power of prayer and how to use prayer effectively. I have my prayer power classes every year, and uh, which you can get now. If they're not on the events page still at jenniferhadley.com, you can always write to admin at jenniferhadley.com and ask for them. Um, I teach about this all the time because we can change our lives by prayer. Prayer is the medium of miracles, and we are naturally designed to be miraculous. And we must let go of the meaning we've made of things, and it's incredibly intense when our identification comes of I am the mother of this person that's part of my in, my identity I am the caretaker of this person I am the person who has this job I am the person who has this house this house is part of my identity this job is part of my identity this relationship 
with my child or my spouse or my parent is part of my identity. I'm a caregiver. That's part of my identity. I know when my mom passed away and uh, it was a, a, a winter's day in March and I went outside for a walk. It was a beautiful, sunny, sunny, sunny day. Just spectacular. It was like the heavens opened up and gave us this beautiful day. And she she passed early in the morning. And so uh, later in the morning, I went out for a walk. And I remember one of my first thoughts is, who am I now? So clear. Who am I now? Because I had become identified as my mom's caregiver in her last months of her life when I was a full-time caregiver. She was like my baby because I was washing her, I was feeding her, I was taking care of her. And who am I now? Who am I now? So we are pure spirit and we are light and so is everyone else. And so, when there's a great grief, there's a great, great opportunity for extraordinary healing. Let us not pass it by. Let us not try to manage and cope. Let us claim our miraculous healing. Let us claim it. Yes. This is why I do what I do, because I know we can claim it, and I know that it works. It's amazing. It's amazing how these tools work when we apply them. Yes, lots of good things coming our way. I'm working on doing a teaching retreats, teaching spiritual inspiration writing, uh, offering workshops, planning workshops, and offering them teaching workshops, and also Spiritual talks, giving spiritual talks. John Mundy and I are collaborating. I think Lisa Natoli is going to join us. And I'm figuring out those details. As soon as I have them, I will let you know. My next spiritual counseling intensive is in October. Let's take that breath of love and gratitude together and give thanks for the love of God shining in our hearts and in our minds. So grateful and thankful to say yes to spirit. We let it be. We know it's done. And so it is. Amen. 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 Mwah!